0: The Maker's House Chapel International presents Destiny Word with Dr. Michael Bwydin God has destined for each and every one of us to live a life of purpose, a life of abundance, and a life that pleases Him. Dr. Michael Bwydin mandate is clear. He's equipped to raise destiny giants for our time, equipped with the wisdom and anointing for a time such as now. Please stay tuned in. To destiny word.
1: If you came with your Bible, could you please lift it up and say, this is my Bible. It is the word of God. I'll become what it says I can become. I'll go where it says I can go. I will achieve what it says I can achieve. Slap your chest and say, I am a believer. Come on, do it again. Say, I am a believer. I want to invite your attention to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter number 2. If you found it, you can say, I have it. If you're looking for it, you can say, wait for me and we will. Philippians chapter number 2. We are doing from, let me say from the verse number 10, I think she'll be fine. Philippians chapter number 2. Have you found it? All right. From the King King James Version, you'll find these words. Let's do only the verse number 12. Actually, let's all read it together. Let's read the verse number 12 together. Come on, let's do it again. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, Not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we know that grass will wither, the flower will fade, but your word will abide forever. We pray that you give us a word that works. Anoint these lips of clay, O God. Make it an instrument of a blessing to somebody's life. Spirit of God, speak to me, speak through me, speak for me. Use me, O oh God, as a vessel and carry the divine thoughts, O God, unto your people. In Jesus' name, Amen. I, I want you to look for somebody and tell the person it's time to work out. Look for seven people and tell them it is time to work out. Can you look for seven people? I'm counting. Tell seven people, neighbor, oh neighbor, it is time to work out. It is time to work out. Last week, I started talking to you about um, his passing being God. That God is not a name, that God is never a name. So he will say that there is no God like me. He was talking about the passing of God who God is and the Bible says for God so loved the world that he gave I was talking to you about his passing and his passion and how sometimes the passion should, should speak to the passing or oh, the passing is always a reflection of the passing involved today building on that same case because using that same scripture as the undergird or the foundation for what we want to build I want to bring doctrinal or theological issues to bear. Um, The book of Philippians is a very doctrinal or theological book. Paul starts talking to them about how we are supposed to work in the house of God. He was talking about what he has experienced and the fellowship of the spirit he has enjoyed through the messes of God. He said unto all of us, That in the fraternity called the Christian faith, being one or being of one mind or of one accord is something very important to God. That's in the book of Philippians chapter 2, the verse number 2. He now moved on further to talk about how we should relate with each other in the house of God. And he said that let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Because there are people who do things just for eye service. And there are others who do things and they don't want even people to know they are the ones who did it. He said that if you are doing anything in the house of God, it should not not be through strife or for vain glory. But in loneliness of mind, that is, you should be humble enough to esteem other people better than yourself. He's still on doctrine and on theology and he's saying that let not every man on his own things, um, but every man also on the things of others. How many of us can empathize or feel for the person nesting in line? That was what Paul was talking about. Then he he came to what makes us Christians and said, from the verse number five, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form or who being God himself or who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be like God. But the verse number six says that... um, um, but made the verse number seven, but made himself of no reputation. That is, he did not really put that cloak on that I am God and I'm walking amongst you. That is not what he did. He, he took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in that fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Uh, he, Paul is just opposing. Our walk with God and our walk with men. And he's saying, he's giving us pictures of how they all walk together. That he being God still found it, no robbery of God, to be like God. But he humbled himself to death. Now what Paul is saying is that the mind of Christ is humility and obedience. You cannot say you follow God and be arrogant. True followership, as far as God is concerned, is born out of humility and obedience to God. Because there are people who are Christians, but they don't, they they are not obedient. That is why in the book of James, he said that, do not be hearers only, but doers of the word. He was talking about obedience, that you don't only hear the word of God, but you obey the word of God. Obedience is what the Lord looks at and looks for. That's why the Bible says to obey is better than to sacrifice. So you can be sacrificing, you can, you can lift up holy hands and clap your hands and praise and pray and roll on the floor and somersault and do all the gymnastics and yet it will not amount to anything before God because to him what he praises, what he, he praises in the congregation of the righteous will be obedience. God places a premium on obedience. He said he, although he was God, he founded no robbery. To be like God, but he humbled himself, even to the death on the cross. It is interesting that the one we follow is putting on a clock of humility, and rather the ones that are following are arrogant. If the leader himself is humble, why are you puffed up? If the one who died for you is humble, why are you that proud? That is what Paul is trying to juxtapose. Yesterday, I went to um, the best, in my opinion, the best saloon um, in Accra. It's called Chevlin. Um, eh, Ajolu, Mm, Joulu. If you haven't been there, let me show you where it is. It's Ajoulu. Now there is first choice, and so opposite first choice. They are up there. Oh, amazing. Amazing. And. I got there and me in my usual self with a khaki, with slippers and with a t-shirt and I got in there and there were guys there who were coming because of course it's a men's grooming place and all of that and there are ladies also come there. So it's a mixture. and I was there. I mean, I'm a shy person by nature and I was in the midst of people who are not so shy. And a man who later introduced himself to me as Ike said, I am Mr. Ike Mesa. When I sat down, he looked at my feet and said, your feet is nice. Very nice. Why are you going to see your girlfriend afterwards? <laughs> then I smiled. Never rebutted. I did not. Because we are the living epistle. Our life is like an open book. My reaction is going to determine how you will see me thereafter. I smiled. He and he started talking about football and Jose. Mourinho. I liked him because he said he likes Jose Mourinho. By the way, I'm no longer a, a fan. A man, a man, you fan. I now belong to Tottenham Spurs. Well, I don't support a team. I support the man. Ah, uh-huh. that's my loyalty. If you have a po- and that man, I've never seen him before. In fact, I've seen him only on the football field. Never spoken to. Him. I went to watch his game and I liked it. The man it was interesting. Then I got down and um, I went to do something in the car, and I he had come outside, and so he saw me. Now when I stepped out, Then his mind was averted that this is the pastor of the maker's house. So when I came, not knowing he had asked them, so if he is that big pastor, why did he not come here with bodyguards? Then this is what he said. Afterwards, I was talking to him. He said, so I have a concern. He said, what's your concern? He said, if you, with all your, I mean, you can hear the name and never meet the person. With all that is said about you, you're academic, you're this thing, you're this thing. And you come here and you drove here yourself and you went back and forth. And I was even joking with you and you never took an offense. Why is it that you have other brothers? He said, I don't like talking to pastors. I said, why? He said, because in the gym I train, there is a pastor who comes there to train, and when he's coming, he comes with four bodyguards. Even to lift the hand to hold a dumbbell, one person has to. So somebody has to lift the dumbbell for the pastor, put his leg on a. Uh, on, uh, probably the. Uh, the treadmill, carry one and put and carry one and maybe they have to push their legs and help him so, so the man said I, I, I don't know why I looked at the man and the man said if I had met pastors who behave like you maybe I would have been a better Christian it just dawned on me that what is keeping people from church is not the devil But rather, those of us who are supposed to be the custodians of the faith, who are supposed to exhibit the character and the lifestyle of Christ, we are arrogant, we are puffed up. Oh, I I feel like talking to somebody who has the heart of Christ in him because we don't exhibit true Christianity. The people Jesus died for, you won't even speak to. If Jesus died for a prostitute and you see a prostitute and you don't want to even know a prostitute. Oh, but Jesus had somebody in his fold who was never absolved from the tag of being called a prostitute. Mary Magdalene. Magdalene is from the word Magdala or Magdalo. Which means the place of prostitution. So Magdalene was not her surname. Magdalene was a description. There were many Marys, but Mary the prostitute. Or Mary from the place of prostitution. And Jesus never said to Mary, never follow me. Because you will tarnish my image. The people we won't even speak to, they are the ones that Christ died for. We are so arrogant. That bag that you, you are carrying, that is why you are not talking to people. Somebody made it. That shoe that you have, that you don't even want to step on the floor. Somebody made it. And for your information, they made a lot. You are just one of the many who bought it yourself that is the mind that Jesus wants to be in us he wants us to be humble to exhibit humility what do you have that you did not receive the gifts that you have it was God that gave you The wisdom you have, it was God that gave you. The money you have, it was God that gave you. The articulation, the intelligence, the beauty, what you have. The money you have, the voice you have, the academics you have. All that you have, people of God. It was God that gave you. And if he gave you that, why are you so puffed up? Why are you so arrogant? Let this mind be in you, who was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be like God, but humbled Himself to death. Humility can kill, but it is an honorable death. It is better to die in humility than to die as an arrogant man. Watch it. Let me quickly get out of my introduction. Because these are all precursors to what Paul was talking to the church about. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul is doing theology and doctrine. And for me to situate it right, I have to let you know that uh, words and context is important. Wherefore. It's a conjunction that had been introduced telling us of what preceded the test. Before the test, he was talking. Humility, obedience, and all of that. He has now got into a place and he's saying, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why am I saying words and context are important in theological analysis because he is not saying work for because for your salvation you can't work for it by faith are you saved we are saved by faith through grace so what saved us is the grace of God extended to us our faith that he died but he rose on the third day and we believe that truly he died for our sins. That is the faith that makes us saved. But after you are saved, Paul is saying because you did not work for it, it doesn't mean you don't work it out. You had it. That was the event or the experience your salvation but there are people who lose their salvation because they failed to work it out and I'm going to explain because these are doctrinal and theological issues you can't pay for your salvation he's paid for it you don't have to do anything for your salvation it is through Believing that Jesus died and he died for you. That is enough. Confessing your sins to him and saying that I accept you as my Lord and personal savior makes you saved. That kind of salvation is called the justification of a believer. Are you following? When you are saved through grace which is a one-time event. That is why those who want to push it will say, once saved, forever saved. It is a one-time event. Once you are saved like that, it is called justification because in spite of all your sins and the nuances of your life, he's saying that, well, for this one, his name has now been written here. And so he's justified when people are talking about why you have been a bad man, a bad woman, a bad lady, a bad boy, a bad he say no, he's justified, he's here, he deserves to be here. That is justification through faith. He moves it a step further, and now he's not talking about that kind, he's saying you should work it out. That means that after you have the event, there are things that you do, people of God. It will amaze you to know that somebody can be saved all right, which is that of justification, and not work it out. That is sanctification. Let me try. So the one that you don't work for is called justification. The one that you work out is called sanctification. So God will come to Moses and say to Moses, Moses, tell the people to sanctify themselves to meet me. That is working it out. What do you mean sanctify themselves to meet me? He said they should not touch anything that is unclean. They should not do A. They should not do B. They should not do C. In doing that, they are working out my covenant of redemption or justification called the salvation I've given to them. So you can be saved. Justified by God. And live a life that is not sanctified. That is why somebody can be in church and a gossip. He speaks in tongues. But he's a gossip. He's a tongue-talking believer. When he stands to speak in tongues, you'll be amazed. You'll be thinking, probably there is thunder out there. It's like a locomotive. Like, a, like they, have, they have started the engine of a locomotive train. And yet, in their heart, there is nobody bitter, angry, jealous, envious than themselves. Because they had salvation through sanctification, but they have failed to work out their salvation. Because once you get saved, and it's important we do these things because we are evangelizing and people are going to come in. Now, understand these things, that when you say you are born again, your body doesn't change. When you say you are born again, ladies will not start looking like trees. they will still be beautiful. Money will not be less appealing to you. It will still appeal to you because it's a medium of exchange. So being born again doesn't mean you've lost your humanity. Being born again simply means you have given a license and a rerouted road to a proper redemption and recovery. So when the Bible says, work out. Then he's talking about the exercises in your salvation. Which he had already introduced with the wherefore. Which he's saying that for you to keep your salvation, you have to obey the word of God. Obedience to the word of God. So no matter who you are. Your obedience to the word of God should be rock solid. You should be ultra obedient to God. Super obedient. Every time you have to be obedient to the word of God. What is God saying that you are not doing? Most of us, God speak to us, but we don't adhere to his voice. He tells us, go this way. The Holy Spirit can even wake you up and tell you pray. Then He say, "Mm, let me change the gear. You are not obedient to the word of God. And you are not humble. He was talking about humility and obedience. But let me push it forward. He said, work out. It means put into practice. Do something about it. Make sure there is an effort. The Greek word used there is perfection for a novice. That as as small as you are, work into completion the salvation that has been placed on your life. That's a Greek rendition. Of that of that test, and he said the salvation is not congregational, it is your own. The reason why you can't serve God on another man's ticket is because salvation is idiosyncratic, it is a personal affair. Jesus said on that day. A man will be with a woman or a man will be with his wife. One will be taken, another will be left. So you can be in the same house. It doesn't mean that the salvation is for your wife. That is why your wife cannot dictate where you go. As far as your salvation is concerned. Can I help you? If your husband wants to serve the devil, it doesn't mean you should follow suit. Why? Because salvation is your own. Work out your own salvation simply means that if at the end of the day, somebody wants to lead me elsewhere or do something to me that will cause me to forget about Christ. Salvation is idiosyncratic. It's mine. Paul is saying that the salvation you have, work out your own salvation. And so you don't have to look at another man to serve God. If there is a man or a woman that can cause you to love God or not to love God, then you have a problem. Because salvation is idiosyncratic. Let me say some things that will help all of us. Everybody can decide not to follow Jesus. You have to see the personal relationship you have with him. And be like Joshua. Who will say, but for me and my house. If nobody else will serve God, for me and my house, we will serve God. You have to get to that place. That place in your life. Where the fact that somebody doesn't serve God doesn't stop you from loving him. People of God, this has become very crucial because sometimes we even feel, oh, yesterday I, I simplified something to a man who came to me and said, ah, no, it was not yesterday. I think it was on Thursday or Friday. He came to me, he was talking about something and uh, he said, I used to see this person in church. He's no more in church. Why? I said, do you want to follow him? (laughs) Yeah. I said, oh no. But I... I said, you are free to follow him. Because when you were born, he wasn't there. When God called you, he wasn't there. In fact, maybe... Where you met was in church. And probably where you will both part will be in church. Then I said, even take it for, uh, as an example. What if the person had died? Would you say you will not serve God? He said, you've averted my... I said, this is what Paul was talking about. What we fail to realize is that There should be nobody that makes you love God more or less. Because your salvation is your salvation. If somebody wants to toy with your salvation, if you come to church and everybody, oh, but we are all in the choir. We are all in the church. And there are people who, although we are in the church, they are following other people's husbands and they are still in church. And please, that might be the problem. In such a big church, you will have people like that. And please don't get this wrong. That why is it about, he's a prophet. Why is he not seen? You are a madman to think like that. Because, and please, let me try to make some points clear. Jesus had 12 disciples one of them was called Judas who was going to betray him and yet he was his most trusted ally. What do you mean by that? The bible says he was the one who was holding the purse and everybody will tell you that every president is closer to his finance minister because whatever he will do is with the finances of the church or of the people or of the state and that is the same thing that happens. This man called Judas who was going to betray Jesus was close to jesus he was holding the finances and yet he did that please don't get it twisted you can be in church somebody might be in the core somebody might be in the ministerial team who is as evil as hell but he will be around it doesn't mean that that person should be the reason why you don't love god That shouldn't be the reason They should not. Nobody should. Because when you die, I guarantee you that they are not going to give any account on your behalf. Who told you that on the day of reckoning, God will say that, oh, uh, he loved me, all right, but he was ill-influenced. There's nothing like ill influence. That, oh, he would have loved me. But they influenced him wrongly. And they influ- no, 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 no. No, Nobody, you are a grown man. The Bible says that. And they came to the man. And uh, um, the parents of the man. And they said, uh, what happened to your son? Is it that, oh, oh, no, what are we hearing? The man said, well, my son is of age. So if you have anything, go and ask him. He's of age. He's a grown man. God considered you a grown man. That people should not be making decisions as far as your salvation is concerned for you. I'm telling you. Work out your own salvation simply means develop yourself, get into prayer, get into intimacy, get to know God yourself. What we do in church... Actually... The reason why going to church is important, of course, going to church is not a ticket to heaven, but the reason why going to church is important is because in church, not only do you find communal grace, communal worship, communal praise, communal prayer, but you also get teachings which ordinarily your minds will not be averted to when you read the scripture yourself. That is why the Bible says that our work is to direct, instruct, rebuke, reproof. And so in church, you are giving yourself, you are opening yourself up for accountability. That's why we come to church. That somebody can tell me, brother, the path you are going is not right. That's why we come to church. So that when you are doing something, you know that, oh, there might be an eye looking upon my shoulder. That's why we come to church. But as a matter of fact, when it comes to your salvation, please, the fact that somebody is not praying doesn't mean you shouldn't pray. The fact that somebody has been arrogant doesn't mean you should be arrogant. The fact that somebody has become... No, no, no. If there are standards to emulate, the Bible talks about things of good report. Things of good report. We have become too shallow. And the devil has managed to get the church in that corner. Shallow-minded people. Shallow-minded people. It has come to a place whereby people will not even do anything without gossiping or talking about other people. And yet we are in the house of God. For us to keep our salvation... Paul is saying, just as people go to the gym, to develop biceps and triceps and uh, biceps and triceps and six-packs and backpack. Paul is saying is the same thing. The rendition is the same thing. Work it out. And work out comes with pain. It comes with tension. It comes with stress. Sometimes you don't feel like it, but you still have to push yourself through it. That is working it out. And so most of the time, what God is telling you is that you get to spaces you are not comfortable, and yet that is what you are supposed to do. The reason why you have become lackadaisical in your Christian approach and your love for God is like a flip-flop is because you have allowed many people to influence how you see God. You, you take inspiration. I understand that. But when you go to church and people are praying standing, you also pray standing. When you see people clapping, hey, No, that's, that's how people... Hey, as- omu- and, no, that's the problem of people. And so if those people that were influencing you like that, if their prayer levels drop, Automatically. But true faith in God is intrinsic. It's supposed to be a well that bubbles out of you. It is not supposed to be extrinsic. That's, that's not what it's supposed to be. Can I help you? Before we pray. Because I really want us to pray. Yesterday we prayed in prayers at the morning aura. I just felt this morning that I should lead that same prayer too. This morning. Somebody might be born with you on the same day. It doesn't mean you will aspire or die on the same day too. Does it mean that when the person dies, you kill yourself? Why don't you kill yourself? Because your destiny is different. Your purpose is different. It's the same thing with our faith and salvation. When somebody backslides, do you backslide too? Now, if you don't, why don't you work it out? Why don't you put in the effort? Let me tell you something before we pray that if you really want to work out your own salvation, one of the things you should do is to gather around yourself the materials, the resources, and the voices that will rather push you up. And if you care to know people who are gossip, biters and the miners, they are people that you are supposed to keep out of your life. I know many marriages that have failed because that woman allowed a strange voice to get into that marriage and oh have you considered have you known I told the people yesterday a story that happened when I got married less than one year of marriage I was driving with my sister my sister is light skinned you know I'm very dark probably the darkest person in the room and my sister was sitting in my car the front seat somebody called my wife hey I saw your husband and a fair lady is sitting in front of his car. My wife said, oh really, where? So they just passed through Legon. Suggesting, it is all for oh yeah. Fortunately for me, we drove out of the house together, myself and my sister. Then my wife said, oh, that is his younger sister. Oh! Because then he has to find another route of escape. If you allow another voice into your salvation, you will lose your salvation if my wife had allowed another voice into that marriage i think i would have come home and the first thing i'll see where are you coming from why is that light-skinned lady who was in it? <laughs> if you are lo- and she might have lost her marriage because it's a seed it can grow and it can take root and push everything out. And that is the same thing that has been happening. If you are not mindful, the devil will never come and hold your hands to pull you out. It will just be an information. It will just be something that he will say. And you might lose your salvation because of an evil influence or presence. I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice that may we never lose our salvation. May we work out our salvation. Now watch this. He said with fear, What kind of fear? Fear that you can lose it. Fear that, oh, can I push it further? That it was in the same test that he said, he worketh in us, the next next verse, both to will and to do. That you know that God, I cannot go on this journey on my own. Help me. That is where the humility comes in. You are humble enough to tell God, God, if I want to go on my own strength, I will fail. Help me. He said, without memories, let us work for Him. And these days, if you want anybody to do anything in the house of God, I'm telling you, the memories are overwhelming. I pray in the name of Jesus that the Lord God himself will help us not to lose our salvation. Work it out. Work it out. With humility, keep working on your salvation. Because that event doesn't stop with you being saved and calling yourself a Christian. It's a daily affair. Every day, you are justifying your inclusion. Every day. Every day of your life. Whether you will still be called the elect or not. Every day. Why is it that there are people who go to church? Not just TMH. Every church that I've been to. To preach. Whether it's the Assemblies of God or wherever. Everywhere I have preached. There are people who are calling themselves Christians. But they are too hypocritical. The hypocrisy. In modern day 21st century Christianity. It's too high. We have asked God to even vacate his throne. And we are the judges. We judge everybody but ourselves. And oftentimes the people. Who are very judgmental. It is a cover up for what they do. I will show you. Suffer most of the people who judge people because of a slip, a misstep, or a mistake, it is their normal practice on court. It is what they do that people have not found out. And so they are putting a defense. It's called a diversionary tactic. So you think that because they talk against it, they don't do it. So they do it And divert the attention of people and they are too judgmental and yet they are hypocritical. What they do, they put it on other people. Listen to me, people of God. Before I even start praying with you, it's important. God wants you to freeze everybody in your life and look at yourself when it comes to your salvation when it comes to salvation and your eternal redemption, mothers don't come in. Fathers don't come in. Husbands don't come in. Wives don't come in. Children do not come in. It is only you as an individual. That is why it was you who made the decision. Lord, I want to accept you as my Lord and personal Savior. You made that decision. Once you made that decision... How you work it out is your decision too. You should freeze voices and not allow anybody to be an influencer to the decision you have made. If you need help in your Christian walk, the Holy Spirit will. Are you following? It is the work of the Holy Spirit to help us. He says he worketh in us both to will... And to do. Because sometimes you might have the will to do good things. But you do not have the ability to do it. That has been our problem. But in this new season. We pray. Could you please hold somebody's hand. From this time. We want to do all the housekeeping rules.
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed with Destiny Word by Dr. Michael Buedi-Nyamiche. You are cordially invited to the Maker's House Chapel International, Kwabanya Off Point One. Join in on any of our services, Sunday Word. First service, 7 to 9 a.m. Second service, from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Teaching service on Wednesdays, 6.30 to 8 p.m. And our flagship program, The Morning Aura, on Saturdays from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. To engage in prayer and experience the supernatural. For more information about this ministry, call 0244-221-272 or 0262-731-570. Or visit our website www.themakershousechapel.org We believe in the Word in totality and the light it brings our path to experience the grace to take territories and fulfill destiny. God richly bless you.